0: Good morning, everybody. Glad to have all of you here. If you are visiting with us, honored to have you as our guests today. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for your prayers for Deborah and I over the past uh, few, uh, basically a couple of months when we found out that she had breast cancer. We got good news on Friday. Even though Deborah will have to undergo four weeks of radiation, there will be no chemotherapy. So that's good news for us, and we praise God for that. And so thank you very much. Just wanted to keep you up to date, and uh, so that way you don't have to ask me a thousand times, or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, today's lesson, and we are in a series on the Spirit, if this is your first time here, today's lesson will not be easy, okay? I'm going to ask you to reflect on your own life, ask you to reflect on your motives and even the intentions Of your heart. My goal is to drill down into our hearts and uncover that which is hidden from sight. Hidden from sight. To expose that which rarely makes an appearance, even in our own hearts. I desire to explore the depths of our dark side, even our fleshly nature, with the help of the spirit of truth. And so we're going to do that, but before we do that, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, we give you glory and honor today. Man, the singing and listening to the voices of everyone rejoicing in you and lifting you up in song is so wonderful. I thank you for Lake Homa, for this church, for the people who love you and care for you. And Lord, I ask that you continue to bless us as a body of believers. Be with us as we study today more about the Spirit, as we continue to dig deep into understanding this gift that you have given us. May we apply it to our hearts. May we take it and understand the words that you are giving to us. And today, as we dig deep into our own lives, into our own hearts, I pray that you will watch over us, And be with us and guide us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word which teaches and which cuts like a knife many times into our hearts. May it do so today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. My first big lie was when I was four years old. Four years old. I can still remember it. I was twirling in the curtains in my parents' bedroom, and I was getting dizzy, and I loved it so awesome. I'd twirl around, and then I'd come back, and I'd just be dizzy. and I'd go, oh, this is awesome. And I did it again, and I'd do it again, and I thought this was awesome. And I did it again, and I came out. I was so dizzy, I actually hit my eye on the corner of the dresser and cut my eye. And I ran out, and Mom, and I was screaming and screaming. And, of course, they took me to the doctor for my first butterfly stitch, which, by the way, was just the first of many stitches in my life. When my parents asked me what happened, I told my mom I was running out of the bathroom and kept my eye on the dresser. It wasn't until I was 16 years old, before I revealed the truth about my crime, I had not been running out of the dresser. I'm running out of the bathroom. I had actually been playing in the drapes. I held that secret, that lie, for 12 years before I confess my crime. And I wonder how many of us today are actually holding on to lies that we still have not confessed and that we would rather not anybody actually know. In his writings, the, the apostle John is obsessed with the word truth. Again, no other, no other gospel even comes close to the amount of times that John deals with the word truth. Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention truth just once in each of their gospels for a total of three times. John, on the other hand, John in his gospels mentions truth 20 times, 26 times. And if you go to his letters in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he mentions it another 20 times. In other words, the total amount that John mentions his gospel in the gospel and in the letters is 46 times, 46 times. In our study today, we're we're going to be concerned about the three times, we're going to look at all this whole idea of truth, but we're going to be concerned about the three times that John defines the spirit as the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. So, I believe it's important for us to define what truth is before we go any further. And you may say, James, why why do we need that? Why do we need to do that? We know what truth is. I mean, we know it's doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Okay, so you may remember that I've told you before that there are 28 different churches in Mustang proper. 28 different churches. All of them, all of them claim a truth of their own. And if we go worldwide, if we do that worldwide, there are thirty-two thousand different traditions in the world today, and every one of them are claiming a truth of their own. Everyone believing they are right, everyone believing they have a corner on truth. Truth as it is it's found in the mind of God. So is it necessary for us to define truth? I think it is. So, let's go first just to the definition that you would find out there. I went to dictionary.com, and here's what it says. It says, define truth is the the true or actual state of the matter, conformity with fact or reality. Let me ask you a question. Is truth today being debated in our public square? Is truth today being debated in our public squares. Well, absolutely it is. Take any issue, any issue in the veracity of defending one's truth as we understand it is on full display for the world to see. Isn't that right? One group believing their truth is right, the other one believing their truth is right. So, it doesn't matter what truth is and what is real truth. Absolutely. Now, the word for truth that John uses in his gospel and throughout his letters is a Greek word which has a totally kind of a different meaning, different meaning than our word for truth, and it's the word aletheia, aletheia. Can you say that with me? Everybody ready, ready? Aletheia, aletheia is the word for truth in the scriptures. It's a Greek word, and it means disclosure unconcealedness, the state of not being hidden. It actually, means factual or reality. In other words, aletheia or truth is not hiding or not concealing oneself. And to me, that sounds and describes a, a lot like God. It sounds a lot like God to me. Our Father is not hiding. He's not concealing himself. He has made known to man his word, his ways, his truth, and how we should live. And how about us? How about us? Does this disclosure, this disclosure and unconcealedness describe the view, how we view truth? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't not so much. Okay, so what was the first thing that Adam and Eve did? The first thing Adam and Eve did when they ate the forbidden fruit, what did they do? They hid themselves, and they covered themselves. A relationship that was pure and holy was now damaged by sin, all because they didn't. They wanted to do life on their own instead of obey the voice of God, ultimate truth, ultimate truth. Godly truth is defined as, listen to this, truth as it is in the mind of God. Whatever we may claim, whatever we claim to be right, whatever we claim to know as our truth, it must be weighed against God himself. Why? Because God is truth, right? He is truth. And because God's truth is not concealed, it is not hidden. God's truth is evident for everyone to see. And that's what Romans 1 says. In Romans 1 verse 20, it says this. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Okay, our fear, okay, I can't speak for your fear, but maybe my fear, my fear, the reason I hide myself, my fear is if you knew me like I know me, I don't know if you would like me. If you knew that which is in my past, those scars that I still carry around with me? I don't think you would like to be with me. Maybe some of you would, but... And so that's, that's my fear. And that's why most of us hide ourselves and we conceal ourselves. And I don't think I'm the only one that does this. Right? I think there's a lot of us that do the same thing. How many times, how many times have our lies, our withholding, our cover-ups have messed up relationships, relationships with our spouse, relationship with our children, relationships with our parents? How many times has it messed up relationships? And most of us in here would say, many, yeah, Many times it has done that. Jesus came to this earth knowing, knowing he was going to give his followers a gift, a gift. He was going to provide the helper, the spirit of truth, to aid his followers in this journey of faith. And in John's gospel, the disciples have gathered in the upper room to participate in this Passover meal. They're excited at this point. They're excited because, man, Jesus just came, came in Jerusalem days before, riding on a donkey, and everybody was going, Hosanna, Lord of the highest, and all that. But in that room that night, Jesus' tone changed, and it was a foreboding evening. And the apostles are scared. They're scared. Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand there's an advantage for me to go away and to leave you. When he goes away, he will return in the form of the Spirit. Jesus is not going to leave them as orphans. He said, I will find a way to come to you and take up residence in your life, in your heart. Look at this verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. So who's coming? Who is coming to be with these apostles, who, to be with Jesus' followers. Who's coming? Is it the Spirit or is it Jesus himself? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. It is yes. It is yes. Remember the letters to Revelation that we talked about. How does it be, those letters begin? With Jesus speaking. And how do they end? They end with the Spirit speaking. They are one in the same, one in the same. And Jesus knew his apostles as well as us as well as us, would need a power inside of us, inside of us, to help overcome the work of Satan that is out there in this world that is trying to attack each and every one of us. So listen to this verse in John 16, 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. All right, so the the helper has a big task ahead of him, doesn't he? A big task. To convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And as we're a part of that, to convict us of our sins, to help us in our unrighteousness, to lead us into correct judgment. And this is not an easy task for us, is it? Right? Why? I can tell you why. Because I know my heart. Because we know our hearts intimately, don't we? We know our hearts In three different statements in the upper room, three different statements, Jesus defines the helper as the spirit of truth. And who is the spirit of truth but Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I am the truth. When he says, I am the way, this is the verse on the screen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, Jesus is truth, God is truth. The Spirit is truth. They are all one. And this is the source that we talked about. This is a source living in us to help us in our journey of faith. We have the source of the holy within inside of us. And Jesus says to his disciples, those who are afraid of his departure... Those who are afraid to be left alone, he says, I'm sending you a helper, the source of the holy, that is going to be in you and be with you forever. Look at this verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To do what? To be with you. How long? Forever. Forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world could not receive, Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The helper, the spirit of truth, will be with Jesus' followers forever, past one's death, into eternity. The essence of the holy will always be abiding in us. How good is that, right? I mean, how good is that? Three times in the upper room. Jesus reinforces His character and the nature of the Helper three times because He wants His disciples to understand the power that will be with them when He is actually away from them. There's going to be this power that will still be with them. And brothers and sisters, this is the same power we have within us. The same power we have within us. When we feel like the world is falling apart, the spirit of truth is inside of us. The helper is there. When you get the call that you have cancer, the spirit is there to help. When you lose someone you love, the spirit is there to help. And when the world just seems there's trouble at your door, the Spirit is there to help. John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And through the darkness, through the darkness, the uncertainty, the joys or the sorrows of life the spirit of truth will be there to remind us of Jesus's words his teachings his ways and Jesus reminds us reminds his followers one more time of the spirit of truth in in chapter 16 and here it is when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the helper is going to be with us forever. The helper is going to be with us forever. He will dwell with us. He will come and bear witness of Jesus. This helper will guide us into all truth. And this helper helper will convict the world of sin, as I've already said. And he will convict us of our sins. He will dwell. He will bear witness. He will guide. He will convict. But this spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is important to the Father. It's important to have that in our lives. And do I believe, here's a question, do I believe that the spirit of truth that dwells in me is concerned about the truth in my life? Do I believe that the spirit of truth that is in me is concerned about the truth in my life, about living the truth, about saying the truth, about being the truth, absolutely. He's concerned about me. The spirit of truth is concerned about what is going on in my heart and going on in my life. And that word convict there, that word convict in the original language has the idea of reproving, rebuking, exposing And it is a spirit-driven, and and you probably have felt it, that spirit-driven sensation within you when you make a moral sin or an error or a sin in your life. And how many of us have felt that spirit sensation, that prodding in our hearts and in our lives? I hope all of us have. I hope all of us have. I mean, this is a good thing, is it not? It's a great thing to have that spirit with inside of us prodding us when we do things that are not right. I need the spirit to expose and rebuke me when I'm off track. I need that in my life. I'm glad he's there. But what if? What if there was no spirit? What if there was no spirit to aid us in our walk? with God. What if we had to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and face the horrors of our own hearts alone? What if we had to face this journey all alone? And some of you may know what I'm feel- what I'm talking about right now because you're feeling that. We try and do the right things, we try and do the right things to avoid And yet, those habits in our lives just keep coming back. We try to rid ourselves of that hidden sin that we have in our lives, and it just keeps coming back. It seems that nothing works. And we cry out to God in those situations, don't we? Where are you, God? Where are you, Jesus? And we desperately need God's touch in those situations. And why? Because we know our own hearts. Because we know our own hearts. We know what our hearts are actually capable of doing. At least, at least I know what my heart is capable of. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The grim reality of life, the grim reality of life without listening to the Spirit, without being aware of this, that, that prodding, without feeling the sensation of the Spirit within us, is a life filled with heartache and often disease. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Remember that story? In Acts chapter 5, husband and wife sell a piece of property They sell a piece of property, and they keep some of that money back and lay this money at the apostles' feet. They held back some of the money for themselves, but they told the apostles, we're going to give you all of everything, all the proceeds that we did for that land. We're going to put it at your feet. And what does Peter tell Ananias when he finds out that he's lied? He says this, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the what? Holy Spirit. Lied to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourselves part of the proceeds of the land. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. You've lied to God. Ananias and Sapphira lied to to the Holy Spirit, they lied to God. Why? Because that's the source within us. The source of the holy is within us. And how many of us have done the same? How many of us? So, let me ask you a question. Do you desire, Do we desire here, all of us desire, that we be opposite of liars and be truth tellers? Of course. Absolutely right. We hope everybody tells the truth. We hope everybody here is a truth seeker that tells the truth. And we we pray that that's something that all of us are. But there's something even bigger than just not telling a lie or not telling the truth, okay? There's something bigger than that. It has everything to do with being a hypocrite. Everything to do with being a hypocrite. Those who cultivate and promote a reputation for themselves that is better than they actually are, like Ananias and Sapphira. And surely, none of us have done that. Hmm. Guilty. All right, let me give you one more example. First 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-seven 27 through 30, I'm talking about the Lord's Supper, and I appreciate what John spoke about today. I thought it was excellent. I want you to listen to these words. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died and i read that and i go wow wow when we come before god as we do each week for the supper of the lord it ought to be a time that we be honest with ourselves and honest about our relationship and where we are with God and what's going on inside of our hearts. It ought to be a time that we reflect and listen to the promptings of that spirit in our lives to admit before God, before we take that, I'm a sinner, I'm sorry for my weaknesses, I'm sorry for what I've done, for my shortcomings and for my sins. What was Paul trying to say to those believers in Corinth? There are consequences for those who do not discern what's going on. When we don't listen to those spirit's promptings in our lives, we must be aware and discern those spirit-driven sensations in our lives and recognize them, listening, listening to the spirit of truth that's speaking to us because Ananias and Sapphira didn't listen to those promptings in their hearts. And without doing so, Paul is saying there could be physical ramifications Church family, the spirit of truth, listen, the spirit of truth cannot function in believers devoted to self-protection, devoted to self-preservation, and self-indulgence. These are lies that smell like smoke and actually come from the pit of hell. Anything that protects, anything that preserves, anything that exalts our reputation to make one look better than anybody else is deception, and it is a lie. It's hypocritical. In Jesus' harshest words were for those who were hypocrites, who believed they were better and more righteous than others. And again, I ask the question, how many times have we done this? How many times have we done this? How many times have we as believers covered up covered up and hid ourselves just like Adam and Eve? How many of us are putting on a facade which does not represent truth as it is in the mind of God? Paul is pointing, Paul is pointing uh, he's pointed And when Paul speaks, he's pointed about how our relationships and those relationships should be had with one another and with God himself. So listen to this. It's a long reading. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this. Therefore, this is Paul saying, here's how we deal in relationship with one another. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, you're my neighbor, those people you don't even know are your neighbor. Anyone who comes in front of us and stands there is my neighbor. Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of, of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And I hear social media in that verse as well. Don't you? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let me say it again. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So what if? What if we opened, opened a clearing in our hearts for the Spirit of truth? What if we became aware of the Spirit's nudgings and promptings would it move us closer to the source that is actually living within inside of us? You know, over the years, over the years, we have been so scared of the work of the Spirit in our lives. We have often shut Him out. Why? Because we were afraid. We were afraid of this powerful, purposeful gift given to us by God. We have allowed... We have allowed the charismatics to deny this life-giving power in our lives. It's time, like Homa, it's time, like Homa, that we opened up the package and allowed the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of truth to be fully known and available in our lives. I often wonder how many of us have never opened this package, this amazing gift. Can I give you some advice? Rip the package open. Just rip it open and claim the gift God has provided to his followers. Do it today. Do it now. And, I, and I, want to leave you, I want to leave you with three things today. Because if you want more of the Spirit in your life, I want to give you some just practical tips. If I can give these three things to you, it will be really quick. And, and actually, how do I hear the Spirit's voice in my life? There are many things, but here's my top three, and the, the, the number one that I'm going to give you is the hardest thing for me to do. Be still and listen. Be still and listen. How many of us can't even sit down without getting our phone, without seeing television, without doing this, without doing that. I've got this project, i did that project. It's the hardest for all of us just to be still and allow the Spirit and His promptings to actually touch our hearts. So be still and listen. That's the first. Here's the second one. Pray. Pray. Ask God for an for a greater measure of the Spirit's presence in your life. Pray that God will lead you to listen, to understand, and to hear His nudgings in your life. And then here's three, third Third one, read God's Word. Read God. Read God's Word. Begin with the Psalms and the Proverbs. Pick out those times when God is actually speaking. His words are coming through the prophets. His words are coming through Jesus. His words are coming through David in those Psalms and Proverbs. And just listen to God's words and let them flow over you. The words from His mouth are life. They're life. And listening to them brings us in line with the Spirit source that is within us. So again, I'll leave you by saying this today. If you haven't opened the gift, rip it open today. Let's stand and sing.